0: Hello, America, and happy Thursday. A busy Thursday, indeed. The beginning of CPAC down in Dallas. We'll have live coverage and just the news all day today, tomorrow and Saturday. And in the Senate this morning, Director Chris Ray of the FBI showed up for his annual grilling. This one had a lot more significance after Senator Chuck Grassley recently divulged that there are multiple whistleblowers who allege with specificity and evidence that the FBI has been opening criminal cases against political figures with bias, without the proper evidence. And in one case or more, they close cases or try to avert cases against Democrats, including Hunter Biden, by dismissing the evidence as disinformation, even though it was easily proven as true evidence. Political manipulation of the FBI, something we've been talking about on the show going all the way back to the bogus Russia collusion case. That was a big moment. And today, Chris Ray had his own conversation with Senator Chuck Grassley, and we've got something special for you. Senator Grassley is joining us in just a minute. He's going to give us right off the floor of the hearing, the Senate hearing, going to give us an update on what went on between him and Chris Ray, why it's important, why there are concerns about the Hunter Biden investigation, concerns about the FBI. And I think he's got a little news, too. I think a personnel change may have occurred inside the FBI. That's a big deal as well. And then in the second half of the show, John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor to President Trump, the former U.N. Ambassador to President George W. Bush. He's going to join us to talk about all things foreign and security, starting with the shocking sentencing, nine-year prison sentence to WNBA star Brittany Griner today in Russia. Yes, kangaroo court-type treatment for a minor offense, albeit an offense. I don't want to let Brittany Griner off entirely. She apologized for her mistake in bringing some form of controlled substance to Russia. But nine years seems to be a significant sentence. I so will get Ambassador John Bolton's opinion on that. Two great guests. Why wait any longer? I'll take a quick commercial break. Senator Grassi is going to jump right in here in a second, and we'll be able to talk about that FBI hearing today. And the bigger question about politicalization and manipulation of FBI investigations in the Washington political office coming up right after this commercial break. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest joining us right now, the senior senator from the great state of Iowa and the president pro temp of the United States Senate, Senator Chuck Grassley. Senator, great to have you on the show. I'd like to ask you right away your impressions of your exchanges today with FBI Director Chris Ray at this very important hearing where Hunter Biden, FBI whistleblowers, political corruption of the FBI all came up.
1: Well, a lot of th- people think that I'm involved with the FBI only because of the Hunter Biden investigation I'm doing, and of course I'm very, I'm very much interested in that and the national security inv- in uh, implications. But for sure, I, today's hearing and other things I've been involved in is trying to correct flaws at the FBI and mostly making sure that there isn't any political bias. And we got plenty of uh, information, not just recently, but over a long period of time about political interference in the FBI.
0: Yeah, it's really remarkable. The director opened up with a statement and he said this, I'm just gonna read this to you, I know you heard it. Our agents, analysts and professional staff serve the public with rigor, objectivity and a fierce passion for our mission. You have some evidence that would suggest that objectivity may be one of the problems for a certain group inside the FBI, right?
1: Yeah, even before starting an investigation against Trump and ending an investigation against Hunter Biden, over a long period of time, we have the Clinton emails, we have the Russiagate, we have the Mueller investigations, we have the fact that McCabe uh, wasn't fired, we have the Nasser investigations that I've been talking about recently, where FBI agents weren't prosecuted for what they were doing wrong. But in the case that you're asking me about, we have evidence that there was a special agent in charge by the name of Tebow that uh, the FBI should have known that he had political bias because you could see it in his uh, 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 social media uh, writings that he did over a long period of time. And he's the one that opened an investigation of uh, Trump based upon fuzzy uh, liberal reporting uh, and maybe even a a little bit of fuzzy information from a left-wing nonprofit. So guess what? He opened that investigation. The same person, when there was credible information of criminality on Hunter Biden— uh, he shut that investigation down and classified it more or less as disinformation.
0: Wow, that is a serious thing. So you were there, you see two different political figures treated two different ways. Do you think Christopher Ray, the director, understands the concerns you have? It seems like today he was talking over them. Do you think the director has the willingness to look at this objectively and say, hey, we have a problem here, let me fix it for
1: you, Senator? Well, he should have. Now, whether he will have, I'll give you a little bit of evidence that maybe he's going in the right direction, but it's not enough evidence to give you a concrete answer that he's, not concern, that he's concerned enough about what I have exposed. But the reason he should be interested in it is because the public ought to have great confidence uh, in the FBI, and their credibility is at stake. And uh, there should be no party... Or no power that uh, is uh, bigger than just the FBI doing their investigations. Now to get back to your question, I would say in the case of Tebow, when I pointed out about uh, Tebow's uh, political orientations and and uh, direction, uh, he di- he did move him out of that position. And I don't know where he's assigned now. He's still in the FBI. He's still being paid by the FBI. But I don't think he's in a position to make any uh, political determinations about investigations. Now, beyond that, I guess we'll just have to wait to answer your question. But I would expect that I've given him enough information that he knows that he ought to have a concrete program for eliminating any political bias within the organization. Yeah, that
0: seems to be such an essential thing. You have protected whistleblowers for so long in your career. People trust you. There's very few people in Congress that whistleblowers trust. How important is it to protect the people that have come forward in this most recent one, given all the politics that surrounds
1: the issues? Well, you've heard me say many times that whistleblowers are treated like skunks at a Sunday picnic. Once once they know within the bureaucracy, who they are. I can tell you about people's uh, cases in one FBI case maybe 20 years ago that went on for 10 years before there was a solution to it. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten a a solution without me telling them. I can tell you about Ernie Fitzgerald. I call him grandfather of whistleblowers at uh, at the Defense Department. And uh, when he had to fight in court to get his job back. And then when he got his job back, they put him up in the attic of the FBI as just one example. I mean, in the attic of the uh, Department of Defense.
0: Yeah, they have a tough life and they often go through post-traumatic stress disorder. They have a lot of stressors in their life. But I think knowing that someone in the Congress has had their back all this time is probably why people keep coming forward. They know that you've got that. Do you think the Justice Department and the FBI have enough protections for them, or would you like to see the same whistleblower protections that other agencies expanded so that FBI, which has a different set of rules, are also covered by the same?
1: The FBI, and this was for twenty years in a in a law we changed years ago, that they got some exemption, but they were supposed to set up their own. And I've got reason to believe that it's not equal to every other whistleblower protection. So that's why I have a bill in with a Democratic co-sponsor that's building on at least some minimal protection we have from FBI agents. Now, my first question to Ray today was, uh, he told me over the phone on June 16th he respected whistleblowers. He was going to protect them. And so I got him to say, under oath today, that he wasn't going to take reaction or, I mean, action against uh, whistleblowers. So we'll just have to hold to it. That was a big moment. A lot of times I get those promises and they aren't kept, you know.
0: Right. Well, one thing I think Director Ray knows, you're going to follow up. You're not going to drop the ball on this one. There is a frustration I know you and other senators like Ron Johnson have. You send letters, you make legitimate inquiries about things that matter to the American public, and often the answers never come back. How do we change that dynamic? What would you like to see happen with the DOJ and FBI being more responsive to you?
1: The trouble is, it doesn't happen just in the Biden administration. It even happened in a in a Trump administration. And we've heard from whistleblowers inside of the Department of Justice uh, that uh, if you get a letter from Grassley, we're just not going to answer it. Now, what does the sen- what does the senator do about that? About All you can do is try to embarrass them into the fact that these people come before the Congress of the United States under oath, and we ask them, are you going to answer our letters, phone calls, are you going to appear? And they all say yes. Well, when they don't do that, they're liars, and you've got to call them out for being liars. And they ought to, since they said yes under oath, they ought to be prosecuted for lying to Congress of the United States. They'll probably never be prosecuted, but they ought to be prosecuted. I agree with you
0: there. When you talk about that the lack of accountability in the last few years, you see agents, they just get to retire and avoid any consequence. The Michigan cases, the deputy director himself caught lying, gets his pension back. Does the FBI have a problem punishing its own people?
1: Oh, of course it does. I just look at Strzok and McCabe, what they did. They haven't been properly punished.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. It really is. Next year, there's a good chance Republicans will be in charge of the Congress. What's some of the most important things you would like to see done in the FBI, DOJ world to make it a better place, a better workplace, a more effective law enforcement force?
1: Well, for, first of all, I think there's a culture that needs to be changed. Now, there's no law, <clears throat> there's no law you can pass to change the culture. But I'll be chairman of the committee. I I think chairmen have more power than ranking members do. We're in a majority. Uh, We're going to fight harder to get whistleblowers protection, get answers to our questions, and we're going to make our congressional oversight uh, more powerful than when we're in the minority.
0: Yeah, that's such an important issue. You have been in the Senate since Ronald Reagan's first days in office. You're seeking an eighth term. Iowans love you. What motivates you to keep coming back and serving your country in the Senate?
1: I love serving the people of Iowa in the United States Senate. And uh, I think that if we got a chance of being in the majority, being the most senior member of the Senate, being president pro tem of the Senate, and being chairman of the Judiciary Committee again, I think I can deliver for the three and two-tenths million people of Iowa uh, uh, quite a bit. So that's why I'm seeking re-election.
0: Well, they're grateful that you are. I know that for sure. One last question for you. I know you're very concerned about China. You talk eloquently about it often. You raised some questions the last couple of days that every action Joe Biden takes has the stink of his son over it, it kind of lingers over it. And it feels like China has something over the president. How does the president move past that? What's important for this country to regain confidence in the president?
1: I think if he's a little more candid with the people, which is quite obvious now that when he says that uh, he's never talked to his son about his business, that he ought to level with the American people that there's enough information out there and just uh, level with the American people and tell them what the situation is. He's got to prove to us that it isn't clouding his judgment in regard to the threat of China.
0: Yeah, such an important thing. Do you have any doubt in your mind that Hunter Biden committed crimes based on the evidence you made public with your great investigation?
1: I can't say that I can talk about criminal activity, but I think we got enough other information uh, that comes from leaks from grand juries and stuff like that, that he's committed a crime. I'm not sure that I want to say just because of the documents I put out there That there's something illegal about it, but if he hasn't paid taxes on it, obviously there's something illegal about it, but I don't know that. But I raise these concerns not just because of the issue, did he commit a crime, but I want people to know that maybe it does cloud this administration's judgment towards China that uh, i I wish I could use uh, say certainly they can be blackmailed i don't know that for a fact, but it does raise legitimate questions but uh, there's a certainty of uh, risk of criminality in the documents that we expose, and we got these documents because they were quote unquote flagged in other words, possible criminal activity. Uh, when they were uh, when they went through the Treasury Department, they were flagged by the bankers that did it. Yeah, that's
0: a real clue that there's something amiss or someone's concerned about it. Last question for you. In 2020, you were attacked really unfairly by Democrats, the media, the fake briefing from the FBI. Do you think now, two years later, that those who attacked you in the American public that got sold a bill of goods, that people have figured out that you were onto the right track?
1: I know at least the Washington Post and the New York Times have admitted that we were not peddling Russian disinformation. And uh, I speak about it regularly. I don't know whether at the grassroots of America it's getting out there that for two years uh, the Democrats in the Congress, even my own colleagues in the United States Senate uh, who are Democrats, and I like all of them, but they were out to uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, use the term Russian disinformation against what Johnson and I were doing, and now it's proved wrong. But I haven't had a single Democrat tell me that they were wrong. None of them apologize. I don't suppose I should ever expect them to apologize. Uh, but uh, the truth—they got to know the truth. Now I bring some of these things up, like in my speech. Opening remarks today before the committee, I bring them up on the floor of the United States Senate and say how I was attacked unfairly by Democrats. Not a single one of them will challenge what I'm stating, uh, saying, and I think that speaks for itself.
0: It does. Well, listen, your 40 years in the Senate and the fact that you routinely have given the truth to the American public is the greatest comeback to any attack that's ever been on you. You've always given us the truth. I've been a reporter here for 31 of those years. And on behalf of a grateful nation, I want to thank you for all the hard work you do, Senator, because a lot of the big stories of the last 30 years would never have gotten out if it weren't for you.
1: Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you very much. It's a great honor, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Goodbye.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, John Bolton will be joining us to talk a little bit about all the things going on in the world, China, Russia. Well, there's a lot going on today. There's going to be a great conversation right after this. Hey folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast, with the news that we bring, the exclusive interviews, and you know what else is great? You can listen to any iHeartRadio station anywhere in the country inside this free app. app radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeartRadio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeartRadio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from lock.com today and protect your most important asset the equity in your home all right folks welcome back from the commercial break this next guest needs no introduction but i'll give one anyways he's the former united nations ambassador under president bush the former national security advisor under president trump and one of the greatest minds in diplomacy and security in america today he is ambassador john bolton mr ambassador great to have you back on the show
2: Great to be with you.
0: A lot of news flying around. Let me start with the breaking headlines from just an hour or so ago. The WNBA star Brittany Griner has been found guilty and sentenced to nine years in prison in Russia. Your reaction to that and the way the Biden administration has handled it thus far.
2: Well, I think uh, it's the sentence is not surprising it's not quite the maximum that, that counts as mercy in the Russian system but it's designed to to be to be a, a, an obviously excessively long sentence for, for what she's charged with um, uh, which was it was foolish of her to get involved in this but uh and I I think her confession was probably uh, under some compulsion uh but in any event the sentence is ridiculously long and normally in a case like that, a country like Russia would simply expel her back to the United States. So the sentence is designed to add uh, value to her as a bargaining chip. That That's what this is about uh, in Russia's view. And unfortunately, that's the view that the Biden administration has taken uh, with um, Brittany Griner, as, as they have with uh uh, with, with previous uh, Americans like Trevor Reed and as they're now doing with, with another American held under false pretenses by the Russians. Uh, it's, it's obviously for the uh, for, for the families of, uh, of the people being held hostage. It's a terrible experience, but it's a mistake to bargain with uh, authoritarian governments or terrorist groups for hostages. You're simply putting... A price on other Americans' head. You're endangering other Americans down the road. And in this case, it's even worse since since what the Russians want to trade for is Victor Boot, who is an arms merchant who is in jail for trying to sell arms to Colombian narco-terrorists uh, who were planning to kill Americans in Colombia. So this is a uh, equating uh, Boot uh, Victor Boot with uh, Paul Whalen and Brittany Griner is, is just uh, – it's a travesty, and it does endanger other Americans. The way, the way to get Americans taken hostage freed is by putting pressure on the hostage taker, economic, political, some cases military, whatever it takes, not to bargain with them. It's, it's a, it conveys a legitimacy on them that they don't deserve.
0: And it seems like we've had a lot of these moments where America looks to be the weaker partner. We can go back to Afghanistan, Iran talks. It seems to be an approach of bargaining from a point of weakness, bargaining with a concept of concession and appeasement in mind. At some point, Americans get tired of this, don't they?
2: Well, I think they do. As I say, I, I don't. I don't dispute at all that the that the families and friends of the hostages uh, certainly want their loved one re- returned, and and we can all sympathize with that. But think of the next American who gets taken hostage, and the one after that, and the ones who are killed because people think that we're weak, and if they demand a high enough price, or they use. Uh, The hostage to get something else they want that we're inclined to give in. And I I just think the Biden administration has signaled weakness on this. The Russians, you know, the reported in the media that now they want another Russian intelligence uh, operative who is being held, I believe, in Germany. They want him released as part of the deal, too. So as time goes on, the bargaining price just just goes up and up. And I think they think the Biden team would be willing to give it, which is, which is not a good signal from, from Washington.
0: One of the things you worked on, Middle East peace, we saw the end result of the Abraham Accords. Big news today. Israeli airlines have given approval by Saudi authorities to overfly the kingdom whenever they want routine travel to destinations. Another sign of the ice that the Trump administration broke. Are you a part of that? Your reaction to that and the fact that the Abraham Accords seem to keep paying dividends to America?
2: Well, I think think this decision by Saudi Arabia is a a big breakthrough. I think other things can come. I think we'd all like to see the Saudis grant full diplomatic uh recognition to Israel as well, but uh it's it's progress and I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes here. It underlines the really the tectonic shift that has taken place in the Middle East. And uh, the Abraham Accords are the visible sign of it. There's more coming and and much of it is due to uh the Iranian nuclear weapons program and support for international terrorism. The Gulf Arab States and Israel see themselves Uh, in a common position, worried about what the Ayatollahs are going to do. And honestly, at this point, they worry about America's resolve uh, under the Biden administration. So they're actually growing closer together. They have more faith in their own resolve because they know they face a common threat. So uh, it is progress, and I hope there's more to come.
0: Yeah, we all are rooting for that. And it's a great sign to see As we look at that, we see another dynamic going on with China, Taiwan. It appeared that the Biden administration followed China's request, asking Nancy Pelosi not to go to Taiwan instead of setting our own policy for China and Taiwan. Another moment of weakness for this administration, the way they handled the Pelosi trip.
2: Yes, I think so. And they showed weakness here. I mean, if the president really didn't want Nancy Pelosi to go, if he really thought it was a mistake, he could have called her up. He's known her for 40 years, if not more. Uh, and uh, and they could have had a conversation. Instead, he lays it off on the Pentagon, and it's kind of haphazard, and she ends up going, which which she should have done. The Chinese should not tell us how to conduct our diplomacy with Taiwan. Thank you very much. Uh, and and uh, But I do think, ironically uh... there's a positive coming out of this i mean with all due respect to the speaker of the house her travel should not be a big deal to anybody and the chinese have overreacted in a way that uh, i think it rips the mask off the chinese government the communist party government in beijing and it shows to americans this is what this is how they react to a trip by nancy pelosi Uh, imagine what they're capable of uh, contemplating on something that really is very serious. So we've been talking a lot uh, in Washington over the past couple of years about the nature of the Chinese threat. This really demonstrates it in a compelling way. uh, And I think that's important for the American people to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're starting to get to see China's true colors, not the one the media and their advocates in America have been doing for us. As you look at this, General Kellogg was on here yesterday. He had some concerns. He said a lot of the military people he's talking to, intel people, believe that China's making assessment that if they're going to take Taiwan, they got to do it in the next two years because it's the weakest they're going to see America. What's your assessment of the dangers of China trying to do a Taiwan invasion or a Taiwan takeover?
2: Well, I think they want to take Taiwan over. I would be surprised myself if they, if the, their preferred route is actually a physical invasion of Taiwan. Uh, I think they want to take the island with its productive capabilities uh, in, in in full tilt. They don't want to take over a heap of smoking rubble. Uh, they've seen what's happened to Russia in Ukraine, where the country is being ground into the dust and those parts of it where the war is taking place. That's not what China wants. Um, uh, what they want, I think, is what they are foreshadowing today and over the weekend in this uh, these live fire exercises all around the island, uh, which are illegitimate in a number of respects. But they resemble, the government of Taiwan has said this, they resemble what a blockade would look like. So I think China's strategy is to create an artificial crisis, perhaps uh, throwing a blockade up, perhaps something else that requires the United States and others, Japan and others, to come and and stand with Taiwan to break the blockade or whatever might be necessary. And they hope that America will back down. And if it does, then Taiwan may fall into their lap like a piece of ripe fruit. Uh, What they have to fear is an America that would not back down. And so the question is, do they think Joe Biden will stand up to that kind of threat? Or would they rather wait for the next American president? Uh, And that that is the troubling question. But I think they hope to get Taiwan in the in the, in the way the classic uh, Chinese philosophers who said the best general is the one who achieves his objectives without using force.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Have them walk into the arms because America no longer has the will to protect them. Really remarkable strategy, and I hope we don't <laughs> witness it on our watch. There was a big airstrike. There's two remarkable things about a guy. It's great that we got rid of Ayman al-Zawari, one of the plotters for 9-11, the successor to Osama bin Laden, but the guy was sitting out on a balcony in Kabul living the good life. One year after we had the bungled withdrawal, it seems like al-Qaeda is not only resilient, but almost bold in how they walk around Afghanistan. You've warned about this. Are we seeing the consequences now?
2: Yeah, you're right on both points. Uh, Look, it's great that this guy finally got exactly what he deserved. uh, But it shows uh, al-Qaeda and Taliban are almost embedded with one another. He was in Kabul, the capital, uh, controlled by Taliban, obviously had jettisoned all security precautions. He, he was sunning himself out on this balcony almost every day. He had the run of the country. And if he does, how many other al-Qaeda, ISIS-K, other foreign terrorists are there in Afghanistan who can threaten the United States? So so good on our military and intelligence people for, I can tell you, many years of effort to make this happen and, and finally achieving success. But this is a warning to us. The terrorist threat uh, that can that can hit us as they did on nine eleven is back in Afghanistan, and we we should be worried about it.
0: Yeah, and perhaps proliferating. It might not just be Al-Qaeda and ISIS. It looks like there's a lot of other groups, a Haqqani network. A lot of them all seem to be boiling over in Afghanistan right now. It's got to be a witch's brew to be looking at if you're in the intelligence community. There is a lot of concern in the military that we don't have eyes on what we need right now. I know we have probably some listening posts. We have the capability to do some things as Aswari did, but are we more blind in Afghanistan from an intelligence standpoint than we were six months or a year ago?
2: Well, I think we're we're much uh, less capable than we were when we had a footprint on the ground, and uh, you know you can argue about the size of the footprint. My own preference would be bigger rather than smaller, uh, because it's it gives us more capabilities. But uh, notwithstanding the the technological wonder of our ability to strike Zawari uh, and and take him out, uh, you just can't gather intelligence as effectively when you're not on the ground, both in Afghanistan and across the border. Uh, in Iran, on the west, and Pakistan on the east. Uh, Pakistan, a state always vulnerable to fall to terrorists, that has nuclear weapons, that would be a real game changer if they took over. in Iran, a threat we know well. Um, and and that's why uh, I think the point you made quite correctly about other foreign terrorists coming into Afghanistan now. We know it's happening. The evidence is there for that. What we don't know is the extent of it. How many people are we talking about? How many different groups? Where are they setting up base camps? Uh, We we probably know some of that, uh, but we'd know a lot more if we had people on the ground.
0: Yeah, it's a real challenge. There was an interesting way the media covered this compared to the Soleimani or the al-Baghdadi drone strikes, which were just as important. But those were often decried in the media illegal. I heard the word illegal. I heard World War Three. They're going to start. None of that happened because it wasn't true then. But they gave Joe Biden sort of like the ticker tape parade treatment for Ayman al Zwari. You think is one of those moments that drew out the media's natural biases that you've been dealing with for so long?
2: Yeah, look, he gave Biden gave the authorization for the for the final uh, attack, uh, as as uh, Obama did for the uh, attack on uh, Osama bin Laden, but but that's like uh, both cases. It's like Richard Nixon taking credit for landing two men on the moon in the summer of 1969 and returning them to, to Earth. That was started by Kennedy ten years earlier. This was started after 9/11. It it took a long time. We all wish it could have been done earlier. But by God, this this is a combined effort over many years. Uh, of uh, people in the intelligence community, people in the military. They're the ones who deserve the credit. And it's a signal to anybody that takes innocent American lives that it may take us a while, but we are going to exact justice against you.
0: Yeah, we sure do. We've got a good record to back it up, which is exciting. Last question for you, because you have always been a keen supporter of the military, the sacrifices that go into it. You know what it takes to deploy them on a mission for America. Recruitment is way down. The Reagan survey just had a stunning number. Only 30% of Americans under the age of 30 look favorably at the military and its capabilities. Massive declines over just a couple of years. How concerned are you that the military can't hit recruitment goals? that there is a lot of hesitancy for young Americans to join unlike prior generations. And why do you think that's been created? What's the dynamic creating it?
2: Well, I think, I think it is a danger. I think uh, recruitment, we, we have a voluntary military now. I think that's the direction the country wants to go in, but we want to encourage people to join. And when we're not making our recruitment goals, uh, it's it's a big worry, and the whole world can see it, including our adversaries. I, I think what would help here a great deal is to have the president and his whole administration get get behind recruiting, have them and members of Congress explaining to young people why service to your country, like joining the military, is, uh, is so important. Uh, and le- let's show we have pride in our military. Let's, let's not just keep it in the background. This, this is a, a worthy calling. Uh, and I think uh, getting the president himself out in public service, uh, advertisements on radio and television and social media uh, and things like that would uh, be all to the good.
0: Is any of the woke stuff, the C R T, the allegations they're gonna kit all the white supremacists out of the mill any of that also driving it, or do you think that's just a sideshow?
2: You know, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, but I'd like to know. Uh, I think. I think it's great when our military reflects America, but it's also the case that our military is not a social experiment. And uh, frankly, the record uh, of the military over the years in real racial integration uh, is, is probably the best we've got in our entire society. I wouldn't play around with what the formula was before. I think that's that's happening. And I think that could be discouraging people. And I'd, I'd like to see the real evidence on that point.
0: Be interesting to get the data. Last thing, we surfaced a videotape just a couple of days ago of Senator Bob Menendez, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, the committee that Joe Biden once was chairman, saying privately to an Iranian dissident group, the MEK, hey, everything that the president's doing on Iran and the nuclear deal, it's a fantasy. It's unproductive. It's not going to happen. It's a bad moment something you've been saying for a long time, but for a Democrat to say it out and open in the shadows of his president while overseas, your thoughts about where Democrats might stand on the Iran nuclear deal now?
2: Well, I I salute Senator Menendez for saying it so clearly. And uh, it's a courageous thing for him to do. And I think it reflects uh, growing far more widespread opposition to re-entering this nuclear deal on the Democratic side than we've ever seen before. I think the administration is operating in a bubble here. I think they've lost touch with reality. Uh, at the same time, you've got the uh, Iranians trying to kill Americans all over the world, and we're try- we're going to re-enter this uh, deal, which was bad when it was uh, when it was agreed to in 2015, and hasn't gotten any better with age.
0: It certainly hasn't. Well, sir, it's
2: an honor to have you on
0: the show. You call balls and strikes with a really honest look, and I always appreciate that. And thank you for the time today. Great to have you on.
2: Great to be with you, John. Take care.
0: You as well, So Have a good day. All right, folks, we'll be right back after this commercial break to wrap things up for the day. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor Advise Fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash News. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. What a great show. A big thank you to Senator Chuck Grassley, to Ambassador John Bolton, two great guests, two newsy guests. A lot going on today. I was thinking about what the ambassador said about inviting weakness in the world, the legacy that may be left behind by President Joe Biden. What he said about Taiwan, uh, very similar to what General Kellogg said yesterday, a lot of the smartest people in the world on all political sides of the aisle are really concerned about the legacy that Joe Biden is leaving on the world stage. The lack of soft power, the lack of hard power, the lack of clarity in U.S. policy, it's affecting us all. Great show today. And of course, Senator Grassley, with his thoughts on the FBI and what it needs to do to restore confidence with the American people, very Important stuff. All right. Now, before we go, I always like to shout out one of our partners, one of our sponsors, one of our advertisers, because they all do something important and they offer very special deals for you and me and all the members of the Just the News family. One of those, the Heritage Foundation, my good friends there, including Rob Bluey, they have a daily news product. It's accurate, it's fair, it's trustworthy. It's one of the first things I look out every morning. It's called the Daily Signal. And it should be your source, like it is for me, for easy to digest and honest reporting on current events and the most important policy discussions of the day. The Daily Signal provides that information plus commentary and policy analysis from some of the nation's top experts. It is a great read. It's a must read if you care about this country. Get the story without the spin at a very special URL they've set up called dcmorningnews.org. dcmorningnews.org. That's pretty easy to remember. The Daily Signals investigative team of honest journalists is devoted to bringing you the real stories behind the headlines and some of the most underreported yet important news and events of the day. I trust the Daily Signal like I trust our own here, just the news. They are great, and you should go there today and sign up and subscribe for their daily newsletter. It's easy to do. Just go to DC, as in District of Columbia, dcmorningnews.org, and you can get the truth there. In fact. I'm confident you like it because you can handle the truth. How about that? Barring a little movie line from the good old days of Jack Nicholson. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thanks for listening today. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to have a big discussion of topic. Why are we down so much on our recruitment? We have a little bit of that today with Ambassador John Bolton. A lot more to come on that in the next 24, 48 hours. All right, folks, have a great night. Check out justthenews.com 24-7 when you need that news fix. We got you covered with breaking news and, of course, exclusive investigative reporting all the time. Until then, have a great night.
3: Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash